Should I do that? Go on. I thought I could do it in a sort of like a sort of welcome to chats over coffee with my yoga teacher. This is the po- no, I won't. I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> anyway, it was good. And was it good? Well, hello and welcome to Chats Over Coffee with My Yoga Teacher. See, I'm going for it. This is a podcast with me, the uh, comedian Peter Brush talks to his yoga teacher about life and the universe and health and well-being and all anything we want. And here she is. Hi, Kayla. Hi. So in real time, it's February 2024, but you can be listening whenever whenever you want. But if anyone wants to get involved with anything, you're, what, are you up to anything this month that uh, you need, want to mention in case anybody else want to get involved with anything you're doing this month? So what are you up to? Yeah, I have my regular yoga classes, which you can always join online. So no matter where you are in the world, you can join. And they're always um, available after the class is live in case you wanted to catch up. But to be honest, I'm actually taking a week off. This you say this every so. month you say <laughs> you're taking <I> time off <laughs> i'm having a week think, off all right i'm just taking I'm it easy this week. you always say that you say oh i'm taking it easy this month you never go i'm going flat out and like maybe <laughs> double yoga and more well-being workshops and stuff it's always yeah i'm taking it easy this month and i'm having a week off so but you know still around if you want anything <laughs> What about you? What have you got going on in February? I'm just doing club comedy shows in the UK again, as I do every month. I, I put live dates up on the website, which is peterbrushcomedy.com. And I, I'm trying to put, get more content on the Instagram. So just follow both of us on the socials. Yeah. All links are in the show description. So should we let the podcast start? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Enjoy. Like, I sort of notice it's there, but it's not really, like, painful, really. Okay. It's one of those things that probably takes, like, four weeks to sort itself out because I'm not getting any younger. That's really frustrating, that, isn't it? Yeah, it's very annoying, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Whatever. I did get ID'd the other day, though. Oh, that's nice. It's because I'm small, I think. You want to say, like, have a good look. See these wrinkles? These are not 18-year-old wrinkles. (laughs) The thing is that there'll be a last time it ever happens, and you Mm. don't know when that's going to be. So there will be a last time you get ID'd, and you won't know until, like, years later. Unless you go to America, then you can get ID'd. What, because they're very hot on it, are they? They're required by law to see Uh, your ID. Okay, right. So they only ever don't ask if you're grey. Because they have to ask. <laughs> I don't remember that because I've been to New York and I don't remember getting asked. Do not. We must have done. Must have done. Did you get a big X on your hand when you went in and then they didn't ID you? <laughs> no. Because normally what? you're allowed in clubs if you're under 21, but you get a big X on your oh. hand that says you're not allowed to have alcohol. <laughs> You could buy drugs, though, can't you? Illegal drugs? Yeah, well, yeah, there's no... (laughs) Well, that's because nobody's paying attention. The dealers aren't going to be like, oh, hang on, that's a bit irresponsible, you know. (laughs) I think I'm ageing slower than other people. I mean, it doesn't mean we're going to live longer, does it? Well, I mean, not only from the fact that we, like, we don't know how we're going to gonna pass away do we but yeah, yeah in terms of like keeping down medical related diseases then yeah obviously that can they always extend your life you know as the studies say and things if you don't smoke and if you don't blah and you don't blah and you don't and you're never stressed do you think though when you look at people from <laughs> yeah. 50 years ago when they're the same age as we are they do look older don't they mm. they, they did age mm. quicker I wonder whether maybe that's a psychological trick because maybe in our heads we don't age as much as... But I don't know if that's quite true because I remember my grandmother saying about how old she thought she looked 
but she didn't feel it. So she'd obviously felt she looked old. It wasn't like she, in her head, she was like always looking younger than everyone else. She thought she looked old, but she didn't feel like she was old. Yeah, but no one yeah. does, as far as I know. I mean, they might I say, know, they might say I feel old because you're really knackered. <laughs> you might, like, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Like, oh, <laughs> my body's screwed, you know, like I do feel old. But yeah. I think you don't feel like an old person's brain and outlook necessarily i think that's because what we imagine an old person's brain is like goes with a certain time you know what i mean like if you if you're like really old now then you could have been born in the 50s i can't even imagine what it would be like to live in the 50s or in the late 40s or something like that or as be a kid when we were still lighting street lamps with you know candles or something or oil or whatever like i couldn't so i think maybe the mind will always seem different because there will always be differences through the generations does that make sense well maybe so when you think of yourself as old it's like oh well an old mind is different because well it's different because they grew up in a world that's completely different than it is now yeah but that's just outlook though isn't it is that what you mean? Well, what makes an old brain old? I don't know. Yeah, I guess to young people it means they're stuck in their ways and probably bigoted or something. And yeah. But then uh, young people's brains aren't fully formed, are they? And they're too <laughs> idealistic and, you know, utopian mm. and whatever. So I don't know. I think there's a... This is my thing at the moment is like people want shortcuts mentally mm. that's how the brain works the brain works in stories it doesn't work in empirical evidence so if your brain yeah. can decide oh well all, all old people voted for brexit and they did that because they were racist then you <laughs> then that you don't need to think or interrogate anything else mm. you just go oh well, that's that in the brain that's the shortcut and that makes sense in the narrative i've constructed and blah blah blah, blah, blah. now yeah. i'm sure some old people are racist i've heard old people say i think some people old people say racist things because you know they can't keep up to date with whatever the terminology they're supposed to is and they sort of don't care and maybe they're not outwardly yeah. hateful yeah. And so it just comes stuff. across like that yeah, but maybe, maybe they so. don't feel it in the soul or something yeah, yeah I know but i mean. don't doubt that there's different different attitudes to certain things and but mm. i think that's how people would typecast an old brain so in a stereotypical yeah. like oh well they're not open-minded anymore type way mm. and i think that does but happen because ever? people get yeah well that's, I mean, that's it outlook like if some a young yeah. person might not necessarily be open-minded but they might just believe progressive things but not consider mm. why those things may not necessarily be you know so it's kind of mm. two sides of the same coin too there probably is a correlation like i think a lot of old people just get bedded in like i don't give a fuck anymore and i'm starting to feel like that <laughs> it happens to us all but yeah i don't know what i'm saying that but basically when i, I remember that's my, my nan saying that she didn't feel she was as old as she looked mm. and you must feel that now like how different do you feel psychologically to being a young person i mean you invariably you would have changed but yeah i i would say i'm probably a little bit more confident because i do genuinely have more knowledge in my head because as you go through like i don't know, say between the ages like 17 and now you learn a lot you learn how to be an adult you have experiences in life where you go i should not have done that or trusted that person or that was the wrong thing to do or yeah i thought that was dodgy you know something and and you learn um whether that's like daily life things or whether that's like how to buy buy a house or you know whatever whatever it looks like for you you do learn so i would say like in a way i'm a bit more confident than maybe i was when i was younger because i have genuinely had the experience so i can be more confident but have I changed in any, like, other kind of way? I don't know. I still feel like I'm 17. Yeah, that's what I was getting at, you see. You still think that. <laughs> I definitely um, think differently to how I used to, but I still don't feel like, like I'm not far off 
technically middle-aged i don't think i'd feel like that no i still think no. i'm a i'm still hip and cool aren't i no it's good because the the styles have rolled back around now i don't know if you've seen what the kids are wearing around the unis but it's all uh loose baggy 2000s low-rise jeans woohoo i fit back in again <laughs> yeah it does all go full round circle i mean you know I mean, people getting mullets a couple of years ago and thinking where's this where's this come back well the phrase in my childhood was friends don't let friends get mullets so I'm afraid that might be sticking around, but no offense. It should have done. It should have stuck around. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it used to be a thing in the 80s. Then it got to the 90s. Everyone mm. was like, well, that is ridiculous. Like, why did we ever do that? And then 20 years later, we <laughs> just come back. front, party in the back. I haven't heard that. That's good. <laughs> it sort of makes me think a little bit of... When you're talking about 90s trousers coming back in fashion, cycles of political thought come in and out of fashion as well it's oh, kind of yeah. like the same i don't know if it's like a cliched sort of thing now to sort of look at parallels between the, the modern age and the 1930s and stuff but just like different political ideas become fashionable and then they are found to like be lacking or they get defeated or or fail or whatever so we're talking about you know communism and nazism and fascism all sort of failing but then like it's almost like the 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 people that have the memory of of these systems all start dying off and so a load Mm. of new people start thinking oh well it just didn't get done properly last time or or it was all someone else's fault that got in the way and so the ideas become fashionable again because the current orthodoxies are found to also be failing as well Mm, so yeah i mean my answer to that would be there's no perfect system the current orthodoxy is is probably still preferable to nazism or communism but (laughs) like so you wouldn't have americans for like a whole couple of generations being comfortable saying that they were communists but i bet there's more Mm. now that would say that or certainly be more sympathetic towards it and similarly like a lot more right-wing parties are coming to prominence in europe that doesn't mean they're exactly the same thing as the Nazis, but it just means those no. sorts of political thoughts sort of like it, it swirls in in a way that fashion does. Like it just goes, you think, oh, thank yeah. God that's gone. But then it will come back. I'm not comparing the mullet to the Hitler moustache or anything. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it's, so really it's interesting point. you say it that. It definitely like, will. It- basically, if you just don't change your mind on anything, you'll be fashionable in 40 years' time. Sounds good. And then you'll be unfashionable again. But then if you still about in another four years you'll be um you'll be the cool cool grandma so yeah grandparent. <laughs> <laughs> we sort of half talked about it in like the pro and anti-natal list you know maybe we're not so friendly towards young children and stuff anymore but i remember sort of hearing some critique of like the modern age and maybe celebrity and stuff as being like a we've fetishized maybe teenage years more so than we do the elderly so Mm. our attitude towards the elderly in the west is quite negative when you compare it to say the japanese society where they're maybe a bit more respectful of uh, so so maybe japanese i'm absolutely this is like completely broad brush kind of like probably so many individual cases of contradict this and whatnot and ever but the sort of idea in my head would be like if you lived in japan you would be revering your elders as like the wise sages of the community that have Mm. seen it all and done and you would seek counsel from them or something whereas i think maybe the west sort of is maybe a bit more ageist in terms of they think well their time's done and you know we need to look to what all these teenagers think about the world instead maybe a balance is good because it may be something in the west that makes old people more insufferable i don't know but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but 
I heard someone say it was sort of like since James Dean, we've kind of thought the teen. I mean, the teenager's kind of an invention anyway from yeah. the start of the last century. People didn't used to say teenagers before. And right, all those yeah. like countercultural movements where like the teddy boys and the hippies and all stuff, they're all sort of like starting teenage years and stuff. And so we sort of romanticize that. And then I wonder if that's sort of part mm. of the, you know, getting older sort of a looks based culture that's what i was going to say if maybe it was a part of like you're aging and you feel like you're getting older and instead of embracing that there's a little bit of fear maybe yeah maybe even just fear of being old older or or even death or something strong like that so then as a society we we look back towards what might be considered like good prime years and that tends to be our teenage years because we're more independent (laughs) but then we have no responsibilities so yeah (laughs) Yeah, i'm saying i said that to sort of like josh a little bit but also it probably is true like you know the having a society that's influxed with images so much is also something that's like kind of gone hand in Mm. hand with this i suppose yeah i don't know how legitimate it is for me to say that because i don't know anything about how the victorians really felt about elders and ki- i mean they shoved more kids up chimneys so maybe they didn't sort of fetishize <laughs> children so much but um yeah but i would imagine that the image culture has sort of contributed to that a part of me wonders if it has to do with our technology boom because if we feel like technology is the end all and be all and nothing else is important um, you know, some of the old techniques or the old ways of living are just not important anymore, or irrelevant or something like that, then perhaps we don't value the knowledge that they had or have because it's not necessary anymore. So instead of seeing them as wise, we see them as out of date. Maybe, yeah, because we could just go to Wikipedia angle. instead. Whereas, like, I do know that in certain cultures, they value that. You know, like in Japan, they have, you know, incense makers that have been making incense for the last, you know, 300 years the exact same way, you know. Or maybe they've added some machinery in the last 100 years. But other than that, it's like, you know, this these methods have been the same. So it's an industrial sort of thing as well, maybe, because... Maybe. Or like, I mean, the West is, I mean, say the West, the UK is what, like 80% service industry and stuff now. So there's Mm. no like former, I don't know, I don't have like a 90-year-old barista in my family sort of telling us how to (laughs) make the best flat whites The perfect cup of coffee. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I do think that we've, we've lost something in this. And I don't know if this is because of these things, like this idea of, of beauty and fear of death and you know, technology being the best and you know other things being outdated. And technology but... making you look younger as well can, like, you know, yeah. like, because of plastic surgery, Botox just would not have been an option for anybody yeah. however many years ago. And now it's just, yeah, you can... Yeah. What I was going to say, I thought I was going to bring out a better word there or phrase, just no, but unfortunately <laughs> it didn't come. But I just feel like because of all of that, all all of everything you've just said, we've basically come to the point where we've lost some very important information. I think as a society, even just simple things like, I don't know about you, but how much did you learn about like women's reproductive health in school? So like you would imagine that probably isn't covered very much, the basics. And to some extent that's fine in schools. But then you would expect the rest of it to come from someone else then. But it doesn't. It doesn't come from your grandparents. It doesn't come from your mum because they've lost it. It's all gone. The only thing you get is, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, you're going to, you know, it's going to happen. And that's it. And you just assume that all the symptoms that we've now accepted as a society, like PMS symptoms, are something that are normal. And that's actually a sign that something is wrong. 
And even in the medical industry, they don't tend to look at it very much because it doesn't have knock-on effects. It's not going to be cancerous or kill you. It's just going to be, you're angry once a month. So what? You know, but it's a sign. If you're angry every single month, well, you want regularly, it now. <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>, now. <laughs> then, then that's a sign that there is an imbalance, that there is something wrong. You know, that it, it shouldn't be like a roller coaster. That is not right. I think we've lost that knowledge. So if we've lost that, what else have we lost? Or what other knowledge about, I don't know, growing or harvesting or looking for natural resources or... Orienteering. We've lost loads of stuff. Orienteering. <laughs> yeah, well, I say that because, like, you know. now you just use a sat nav to get everywhere and stuff. Mm. And so that yeah. that's lost as a, an art form. Like, if you're on a boat, you look for the North Star and all that crap. Not yeah. crap, and, obviously. But then what do you do? It, but... What do you do after you find the North Star? Because it doesn't stay in the same place. I don't know. I'm, hopefully, I'm not going to be in this situation. <laughs> but I'm getting my phone out. That's saying. the answer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I just feel like it's such a shame. Yeah, but it's economics, isn't it? In some respects, like, why would you need to learn that unless there was, like, suddenly no technology? I, I did hear, did I? I don't even remember I said this before, but, like, there was something in the 1800s, there was some, like, solar flare thing mm. that happened with the sun. And I remember reading that if that happened now, then all of the satellites would just get knocked out. Yeah. And so we would be without everything, presumably, in that situation, wouldn't we? And just think, wow, yeah, we just so like, big... live on a knife edge, don't we, continually? Like, we're, no, I'm not just talking about like, High risk. geopolitics, which is bad enough, but I mean, like, the mm. natural world is, is like a big volcanic eruption. Well, the, just... a big part of uh, solar astrophysics is understanding when there are storms, because it's actually really dangerous for the astronauts in, pl- in, in space as well, when the solar flares are there and stuff. For the most part, we can kind of counter that. It would knock out a lot of things, but it wouldn't necessarily, I don't think it would necessarily make us completely out completely. Oh, okay. um, we do have a lot of infrastructure that is cabled in. Like, it wouldn't knock out traffic lights and stuff. You know what okay. I mean? It's not like, it's not going to be Armageddon because we've had a little bit of a solar flare. But it would knock out a lot of things. And there is a whole part of NASA that is constantly monitoring the sun to warn if something actually quite large was going to happen. But the the sun goes through an 11-year cycle. And then over that 11 years, it gets, you know, busier and calmer. And then on top of that, it takes a lot of 11-year cycles to get a big one. So you could, you're talking like, you say in like 1800s when's the last time we had a big one or something like that. Mm. So I may be getting confused with dates because I might be getting confused with that um, Indonesian explosion in like 1851 when, and there wasn't like a summer after that for a year or something. Do you know? That's not ringing about. Is that, it's not is that Krakatoa. A... It's the one before that. It no. Was, I don't know what the name of it, but it was like, this is like the biggest one on record and there wasn't mm. like, it was just dark for a year and world temperatures... <laughs> plummeted and stuff and that sounds awful <laughs> yeah but oh man i mean that's that's will happen again at some point i suppose won't it yeah yellowstone will go off at one point but hopefully we're not here then so oh god <laughs> yeah i really hope that that's way far into the i couldn't future. believe that that actually existed i remember when i i think the people that discovered it didn't realize like what they found mm. like at one point yeah they were just like oh <laughs> this is dangerous <laughs> again we're just like we're lucky to be in this uh tiny sliver of life I suppose aren't we that's mm. it's more fragile than definitely uh... 
because it'll sneak up on you i guess that's the thing with time is that it just mm. like goes vroom, and then so that's probably why you don't feel you're that age because it just happened quicker than you you thought but i feel like as well like when my mom had her first child she was 21 and I, and some people might say that was a bit young it's the best age whatever. to have them isn't was, it biologically it's the best time to have them isn't it i think Early that 20s, is a good time to have yeah. it yeah yeah so like my mom had had us when she was in that kind of age range and I remember thinking when I turned 21, oh my God, you will never, ever, ever get me having a kid right now. Like that would just, like we weren't financially in a place to be stable enough to even consider having a baby. Like getting married, having a house and getting a kid by 21, you'd have to be like rich by birth Mm. (laughs) or a miracle, like won the lottery or something. Like who, who can do that? So I just remember thinking like, I think that has greatly influenced how old I feel as well, because what my parents were doing at the age that I am now, I mean, obviously I've decided now anyway that I don't, I don't plan to have kids, but I did think like if I had been prepared, I might have had them. Maybe so. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> but I wonder if that influences how you feel, though. Because if you look back on your parents, you think, oh, well, when my parents were 35, they had, you know, three kids and, yeah. and a house and a car and they had, you know, and they were all good to go. And I'm like just barely getting on with getting a mortgage. And I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not proportional. I wonder if that influences how old you feel. Yeah, it might do, I suppose. There's this whole thing about having extended adolescences these days, isn't there? What, is, what does that mean? Like when your parents still do your laundry when you're 21. That could be an example of it. But yeah, I think that there's some metric by which they sort of say that people don't grow up until later and maybe people are living at home more. Mm. Maybe that's partly to do with it. And mm, maybe yeah, there's a, I would, I would maybe people are good. a bit more. I don't want to sound like uh, Jordan Peterson here, but like maybe people are a bit more coddled, like when they're younger mm. now, because there's a, of all the safetyism and stuff like that. So you're not like um, exposed to things that make you grow. Mm. As it's a theory, university probably does it as well. I think universities soften you up. Is that what you mean? They're not. No, I think you they're up. just they're just a uh, three years of. Um, extended childhood aren't they really (laughs) you know they're not it's just to postpone the inevitable when you have to go into the real world people are telling you what to do all the time when you're at uni they're not really yeah but it's up to you whether you go isn't it because you get that autonomy as an adult yeah of course you can fail like yeah you can fail (laughs) but you're there for three years if you want to pay them 40 grand then you can just do what you want for three years can't you yeah you can pay them 40 grand to fail yeah okay they're not going to go oh well we have your money back they'll take your money and then you'll just either fail or get like a low grade at the end of it you can still decide whether you want to go and how much you want to engage with the whole thing you Mm. want to just take drugs for three years then you can do that i don't know i don't i don't i think that education is is really good but i don't know if the process is really good if that makes sense i'm not saying that going to uni for three or four years and doing the uni experience is the best way to learn but i do think that obviously as humans we should try to continuously learn and but 50 years ago you'd be down pit that's what you'd be (laughs) 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 you had to grow up there didn't you you'd be fighting some 35 year old guy trying to steal your lunch in the in the in the mine or something prefrontal cortex doesn't fully develop to you 25 anyway i think mm, and mm. i don't know phones have probably got something to do with it as well they've probably ruined everything yeah phones Oof. i mean obviously it depends on your family there's people that have hard hard childhoods yeah, so yeah. No, i'm not be- i'm not demeaning but... any any so and i'm also not saying that it was necessarily better 50 years ago when you had to go down the mine obviously <laughs> obviously i'm not saying that <laughs> i do think it's a bit of an odd one that because like the people who 
go through things that are really difficult and come out the other side sane and well Mm. are the strongest people. But those who break, it makes you wonder if maybe we should have supported them more. You know, and then you think like, it's a funny one because obviously you want to create strong, resilient people. Like, you know, it's a good thing. But then to be strong and resilient, you've got to go through something. You know, it's one of the reasons why we do things like what, like, what are they called? Like that initiation ceremonies. That really muddy muddy (laughs) challenge people do. What's that like? Is it Iron Man or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like really... Yeah, you know, because they want to challenge themselves and they know it's going to be horrible and they know it's not going to feel great and they know they're going to barely make it through. Um, You know, and some people have different expectations of themselves than others or whatever. But, you know, loads of people, say, quote unquote, normal people do Mm. those challenges because they want the the ridiculousness of it, the toughness of it. And that's why we do any of those kind of things. Yeah, a sense of achievement. I'm not saying you have to have a horrible life to be a certain way, but you have to put yourself through challenges, whatever that is. Sport, you know, like running didn't beat your time and all that stuff exactly except me i ain't running yeah i know you're not running but yeah (laughs) but no you're right you're right exactly that's exactly you know lift a little bit more i just mean like you know in general to help you grow up as a human you have to go through things that make you grow yeah that doesn't necessarily Mm. mean you have to have a bad childhood but you do have to go through things so if we make a world that is completely safe and perfect and beautiful how do we give ourselves those challenges that we can still grow that's interesting interesting philosophical point there isn't it? just throwing that out there (laughs) and a lot of people that are in um political life like i listen to nick robinson's podcast like like any good centrist dad should and uh just interviews people in political life and he mm. says that the, it's skewed more people that have had bad or traumatic episodes like they've lost a parent at a young age and stuff like are much mm. more likely to be in politics as well as people that are religious that feel like they have a calling mm. to do something for the country at large or the world or whatever like are more mm. minded to go into politics than in terms of the population level there'll be more people that have had tough childhoods probably not poor childhoods necessarily to go into politics yeah. but like maybe they've lost a parent I did hear if you lose a parent compared to if your parents separate, you are more likely to be a high achiever if you have a dead parent than if you had separated parents. That's kind of what I mean when I'm saying like... I'm not saying you should orchestrate a hit on your parents. Let's <laughs> 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 not misunderstand here. Yeah. But that's what I mean by if you can I'm not go offering a service traumatic. either, by the way, you know. Like. <laughs> But like, you know, there'll be people who, who like, they go through something that they feel has been difficult or like you're saying, very rough. And then they have maybe their siblings. They've got more than one. One person can come out stronger from it and one person can come out messed up from it. Mm, Like, there's no guarantee that you're going to build that strength. You you can't coordinate that. You can't just, it, it has to be something that just happens in your life. There's this idea that apparently is hungover from the 90s, which I didn't even know it was hungover because I think it's still on all our packaging, where women need less calories than men. Right. That's actually not 100% accurate because obviously I would say I need less calories than my husband. Is that because you're five foot tall rather than... Six. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. He's yeah, that's a foot what, taller than yeah. me. He needs more food than me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say on a calorie by calorie, you're talking like kilojoules in your body being burned to produce heat, to make your organs work, you know, stuff like that. He will need more resting calories than I need. But 
because we've always said women need less calories, women need less calories, there's this disparity between women who don't actually need, they need more. They need more than 1,500 or, or more than whatever we say now, you know, and things like that. Because they might be six foot And tall. also, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's that, there's that as well. And then there is, there is facts that like women need more calories when they're menstruating. So... How when when did you decide when you know when did the government decide that one thousand five hundred was what you need was that during menstruation or after or before or you know so that it's not taking it all into account as well. Would it now depend what time of your life you you would be like if you're post menopause then presumably the numbers going to be different could, still. That could also yeah that could also make a difference definitely sorry I need to put that down <laughs> yes that could also make a difference at what time in your life you are and, and stuff like that. I mean mm. there is a little bit of of thought behind the fact that not as much research in terms of old medical research has actually been done with women. Because in like the early 1900s, especially when there was a lot of medical research happening and we got rid of all this voodoo around not cutting people open and stuff, and we were chopping people up left, right and center to see what was going on inside, they weren't necessarily doing a lot of research into women's health. That's not to say that there's a massive disparity, but some hangovers might still be there and perhaps the calorie thing is one of them. I also heard drugs as well, like routinely were just tested on men and then just like... Mm. So I don't know, like a paracetamol is the same size... But is the dosage would that affect you differently if you had different hormones or different or just even the size exactly even just the size yeah. difference which is just like on a population level obviously there's always anomalies with these things there's always going to be yeah, a six foot course. two woman that's like could beat me up I don't know, obviously <laughs> and also there's metabolism makes a really big difference to how you process things so specifically with medicines you were saying with medicines being mm. only tested on men and stuff if a man has a higher metabolism that could be processed faster than if it was given to a woman and stuff like that. So they might use that as an excuse, if you want to use that word, maybe that's not the best word, use that as a thought, the, the deciding factor, uh, to give less medicine or less painkillers or something like that, thinking that it wouldn't, just like you would give less painkillers to a child, obviously, yeah. because the child would... So you're saying women should use cowpole really rather than... Uh. <laughs> Actually, I'm the opposite. My metabolism quickly gets rid of painkillers from my body. So paracetamols will last less than three hours. And if I take codeine, my body turns that into morphine and I go a bit hallucinogenic. So I've only had that twice in my life and I say I'm allergic to it now. I just say yeah, I can't okay, take yeah. that. But I say I'm not, I'm not anaphylactic. I just get hallucinations and go a bit bonkers. And they're like, oh. Oh, right. Sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, right? So, but like, so everybody's different, obviously. I'm probably an exception here, but like, in general, there's just so many things. Like, how can we possibly add these labels? You know, well, like less research has just been done on women and stuff. Is that because, like, partly women not been any? There've been fewer women in power politically mm. over the last. Because obviously, nothing about queens. Yeah, I'm sure Elizabeth the first was a great role model and stuff, but. <laughs> She didn't do a lot for maternity rights, did she? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But then more recently, when there have been more women in politics, it mm. tends to attract a more specific... Like, I think there are more women that don't have kids, for example, in um, yeah. politics. So they're more like of the, the CEO class, you know, like the, the girl boss sort mm. of... Or like, they will have a kid, but they wait till they're 38 and then have IVF and have one. Yeah. It's a broad generalisation, obviously. And yeah, so, yeah. so full-time mothers... That, 
like that have three kids and don't work and stuff are not the sorts of people that end up in parliament so there's even an argument in some sort of feminist circles that the women that are in the Houses of Parliament are not necessarily completely representative of the interests of all women because they will have slightly different opinions on what's a priority for a woman. So, so there's like one woman MP that's sort of talking about needing to have higher birth rates and stuff and she's sort of being singled out as being like a nutcase almost by people because it's such an unfashionable thing to be saying in Westminster among that class of MP. But I think it sounds quite a legitimate thing to be talking about really like especially if people want to have kids and don't feel they can so like giving them more incentives maybe or just not making it so difficult for people to have them i don't think the government can help people hook up i'm not sure that difficult (laughs) is the problem yeah maybe not but that's a funny thing to say but i'm not sure that encompasses every sort of angle there no no it's fine i mean i can't criticize you for that because that's basically what i spend my life doing just like but what about this hilarious example so (laughs) yeah i would say though about like you were saying about you know women in power representing all women or something like that you know mm. basically saying they don't they might not have kids or they might not be you know, a very different type of person that might go into that so just to make myself immune career. here this is another argument i've copied from someone else rather than necessarily no, exactly what I, think I was just going to add but, that how is that any different than men because like i know men obviously yeah, uh, well, yeah, um, yeah. Well, can still go into power and have kids like in terms of like they tend to work and not do the childcare as much you know just as a very overarching kind of numbers but i would say that like the type of person the personality type Mm. that's going to go into those roles is going to be night and day to some of the people that really don't want to do it and that's not just like a fear or sort of like oh i would but i but i sweat when i stand up in front of people it's not that kind of thing i mean there will be people who genuinely would hate that idea of doing anything like that and so you surely you're disproportionately representing everyone by having this absolutely i completely agree with that i completely agree with that Mm. And that's the f- pitfall of representative democracy. If you can ever be bothered, which, like, right, why would you be? But <laughs> Jonathan Sumption did the Reef lectures a few years ago after the referendum. Basically, he was just talking about the difference between representative parliamentary democracy and de- direct democracy in forms of a referendum, which is taken mm. outside of the party system. So the form of government that we have is that we're supposed to elect a representative for our area that's supposed to represent us and our interests and so theoretically we're supposed to appoint the most qualified and knowledgeable kinds of people or people that are going to at least dedicate their lives to yeah well yes yeah (laughs) they're at least going to dedicate (laughs) their lives to the issues that we don't have time to and that we trust them and their sensibilities to do that but that is an overly romanticized idea of how it actually works because obviously it's going to attract a certain sort of person that wants to climb the greasy pole or whatever it is or have these specific types of personalities and and if it did work like that it should be anonymous it should be like, here are my procedures, here's what I'm going to do, here's what I believe, here's what I'm going to fight for, and you vote for what topics you like, rather than a human. As soon as you put a human element to it, you're all of a sudden going to vote for someone you like, or someone who's funny, or someone who's got charismatic personality. Yeah, of course. And no because longer the, bothered about what their policies are and work. what they believe. Yeah, you must have people, though, in political life and or in the news or whatever, that you see and go, oh, I don't like them. And so... <laughs> It's about like the brain making a shortcut. So mm-hmm, the brain goes, mm-hmm. I'm, vis- I'm viscerally sort of like turned off emotionally by that person and whatever that person does. Yeah. And often there's grounds for it. Mm-hmm. There are occasions where someone, even if it's just for um, opportunistic reasons, where someone that seems quite distasteful to me will end up saying something that is true. And I'm not going to say that person is 
suddenly good. So, so for example, Trump said some things which I think uh, are true, but I'm not, I'm not talking about like Mexicans being rapists and stuff. I'm talking about how he told Angela Merkel that she shouldn't be relying on Russian gas because it was stupid. I bet he actually said stupid as well. He probably did, <laughs> yeah. And that the Germans didn't have enough of a defence budget. Well, that's true. Right, yeah. I mean, that's, that is true. Just because he said it doesn't mean I have to think, well, he's obviously got an ulterior mark. I mean, he'll just say stuff anyway. So he's probably a terrible example because he's such a toxic yeah. figure. But as the most prominent example, I just think, yeah so, yeah, so people will just look at certain individuals and have that emotional sort of response. So even if they say something that they kind of think is right, you probably even think, well, they're probably saying it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. People make these mental shortcuts. And so this is why it's like all this guilt by association sort of stuff is, is quite successful because because people, so many people use saying someone's right wing as shorthand for they're a bad person if you can like attach any sort mm. of label to someone people will just go oh yeah well there you go he was on spectator tv or whatever and this mm. other person was and therefore there must be something shady and nefarious about what they think and it's just like it's a shorthand for you to go yeah don't like them like them and so yeah. humans yeah. are at fault picking the leaders that we pick just to quickly backtrack and then but the representative <laughs> democracy works like that, but it doesn't really work. But direct democracy is when it goes directly to the people. And then the argument against that is you probably need to have a fully informed populace before you make certain decisions. Um, oh, right. Of such like magnitude. everyone has to be at the same educational level. Well, or sort of, yeah. But like, but that's why we have the other system where we do vote a supposed expert in to deal with things yes, because it's their yeah. job to look for all of every line of legislation and legal whatever on our behalf. Yeah. So kind of both don't really work and have pitfalls and stuff but it's still better than fascism and communism so (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i should go on this but you said about not being ready to have kids because you know it's like difficult when you're young and stuff and i sort of thought it did tie into resilience because having kids will probably will make you more resilient you just have to do it wouldn't you yeah (laughs) i don't know if i want to go on i just remember when i was doing in comedy by the way it's the only thing i have any expertise on in the world okay so anything else i say just like don't use me as a quote machine or whatever comedy is anything i can really be authoritative about and even then people would probably argue that i'd be wrong about some stuff so when you do comedy you start do new act nights and stuff then you get five minutes ten minutes eventually you'll do like mm. a 10, 10 15 minute spot at like a professional night in the middle and then you do a 20 minute spot in the middle and then you do a 20 minute spot at the start of the show and it's a different skill set and stuff and you just like because you're playing to a colder audience and stuff early on and and then you'll eventually go on at the end and maybe do half an hour and stuff so it's all a progression blah 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 blah. then you do hours at festivals in edinburgh and such and such and such and i think i said to someone once that i didn't feel ready to do a certain spot it wasn't a promoter it was just another act and they said mm. you're never ready to do something until after you've done it mm. and i know I just always remember that because i just think well you never know how to do something until you've done it of course not i mean there's definitely going to be some exceptions to that i don't want a doctor to say that i don't know what i'm doing but i'm just yeah, gonna yeah, give it but a try you're, yeah but you're <laughs> gonna be someone's first like some a brain surgeon yeah someone's gonna be their first you know proper go but you would hope that that there'd be some sort of middle ground at least for that you're there as the hand as the you know beside them yeah yeah of course and then one day you do it but the other guy's still there the senior's still there or something like that you would hope there's they're not gonna tell you it's some guy's (laughs) first time are they they're not gonna say that but you know what i mean uh, but i agree that's still true though because like someone that's done 20 brain surgeries is going to be better than someone that's done one that's not going to be as good as someone that's done 2000 of them so yeah unless they're getting complacent as they get older they just sort of like yeah 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just another brain. <laughs> yeah, not even looking. Yeah. I remember I used to work in a hospital and I used to always find it really like, not weird, really, because it made sense, but you go into like where there was surgery happening and they just have like really loud music on and stuff. Oh my God. And thought, well, yeah, of course it's, they know what they're doing, but... I mean, I suppose it makes sense, but it's a bit... There's probably some research behind playing some sort of music, keeping you focused and less stressed while you're, you know, a mild distraction got someone's perhaps, life in your hands. Guess, but, yeah. yeah. So I think if you if you don't think you're ready to have kids, of course you're not until you've actually done it. So when you're on your I fourth mean, kid, said that before. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be. Oh my it god. Then. <laughs> I mean, people have said that, like, if yeah. you know you really, really want something, don't wait to have kids because you'll never be ready for them or something like that. But I, the only thing that I would say is don't really put pressure on yourself until you're biologically putting pressure on yourself. So as a female, there will be a point where you need to really sit down and, and discover if that's something you want. But overall, in terms of having kids, there is no rush. I think that time goes very quickly and there's got to be more of a, perhaps more of a recognition that you don't have a hugely long fertility window anyway. Mm. It's all right for me. I can still knock one out when I'm 70, do Mick, Mick Jagger it, you know, and, and stuff. But yeah, Al Pacino yeah. and, yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise you're saying, oh, you've got to get to like, you've got to find the right person. That's difficult. Mm. It probably gets more difficult as time goes on because yeah. people get taken up. To, I mean, you're not having kids by the sounds of things, which I'm not trying to persuade you to have kids or anything at all. It's not like <laughs> but you did meet the right person pretty young, didn't you? So, yeah. But, you know, so that's the consideration. So you get to a certain age, then, you know, mm. and then you've got an even smaller window and then you've got to try and meet someone and they've also got to want the same things. And this is how this thing yeah. about having an extended adolescent and stuff it's almost like you're sort of encouraged to not it's not to not take responsibility but to just be like make sure you have as much possible fun and defer any responsibilities for as long as possible because you're only young once kind of thing but then what's your priorities yeah. in, in life I don't know I, I don't know I mean I don't think we need more humans on the planet so if you never if you decide never to have kids I don't think it's like some sort of social obligation that like I all think of it sudden... is <laughs> <laughs> the welfare state's we going to collapse so we need to find a new welfare system we need more kids or robots artificial wombs or sort out because um mm. we can like just pump out loads of soldiers i always <laughs> joke i wish i had a i wish i was a marsupial i wish i had a pouch i probably would have had a baby if i had a pouch i bet there's something worse about having a pouch that <laughs> i think you're fetishizing marsupials i am fantasizing <laughs> the pouch but <laughs> It sounds good to me. I think they're all gooey so. in there, the pouches, aren't they? Are they? Ooh. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know what? Eggs. Just eggs. eggs. That's the best yeah, thing. Then you can yeah. just lay a little egg, give it to the dad, say... Take that into a cubicle. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Have a little sit on it, like the penguins. Yeah. Your turn. Yeah, Six sit months, on I'll it. be That's back That's a very a euphemistic way of putting... A very family-friendly way of... Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed what we talked about this episode. Whatever that was. <laughs> we definitely Whatever don't, that was. We don't record these <laughs> like all at the beginning of the year to slot in. If you have any comments, any questions, anything you want to hear us talk about, then, you know, send them over and get in touch via socials or uh, you can you can pester Peter at the end of one of his shows and um, <laughs> tell him you want something to talk about. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, why not? And obviously, like, yeah, you can tell other people about the show if you want. It's on all of the podcast apps and platforms, and also on YouTube. So, so is that so? Is that everything we want to say? We're gonna just leave it. That's that's it now, isn't it? We don't usually have, I think we have we're to say anything to else, do we? We've begged for no. engagement and said thanks. Please so engage with else. our content. Follow us, like, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll probably be back next month to talk about insert topic here at a later date. <laughs> 